The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. This text today is the basis for today's message. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a yoda, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, this gospel lesson that Pastor Elliot has read for us just a few moments ago. Jesus appeared on the fringes of society, at the edge of civilization, out in the way province of Galilee, and he did so with a simple message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in so doing, he fulfilled all that God had promised. Since the beginning, he fulfilled all that is recorded in the Old Testament. Now, last week, I rehearsed with you once again repentance, and I tried to remind you that it is not just coming before God with your head bowed and groveling, I, a poor, miserable sinner. But even more so, it is a joyful turning around and lifting up your eyes to see God, not not glowering at you in anger, but smiling in delight, a delight that produces in you a longing, an itching, a straining to move forward in how you live your life. So how'd you do this week? Last week, we talked about herds of buffalo being stampeded off a cliff, and we observed for ourselves that it is hard to turn around. It is hard to repent when you are running with a herd. For the next three chapters of Matthew's account of Jesus' ministry, which has been titled The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will unpack what life in the kingdom looks like. He will endeavor to separate us from the herds that we like to run with. And our words for today, the verses that we will look at, are sort of like the introduction to that that teaching that will follow. But before we move forward, 
we need to take a step back and we need to look at the very famous opening words to this sermon called the Beatitude in the verses just before our reading. So have you ever wondered what the perfect you would look like? Lois and I were blessed to receive for Christmas tickets to the Broadway production of Wicked at the Dr. Phillips Center downtown Orlando on this past Friday night. And for those of you who don't know, because I didn't know, Wicked is actually a backstory of the Wizard of Oz, of the struggle between Glinda, the Good Witch, and Alphaba, the Green Wicked Witch. And it is, in fact, a very clever story that has this wonderful twist and a happy ending. But in the climactic song between Glinda and Alphaba, we hear this as the ending line... Because I knew you, I've been changed for good. You see, that's what Jesus does every day in our lives. Because we know him, people, we are changed for good. And the Beatitudes before you are a description. They are a masterpiece portrait of what the real you, the good you, looks like as a result. So to be poor in spirit is simply realizing that what we have now in this fallen and broken world is not all there is and certainly can never be the source of our happiness and our contentment. Those who are changed for good by Jesus are blessed to not settle for anything less than the kingdom of heaven. And we mourn for the world to be put right once or for all sooner rather than later. To be meek is to have a quiet inner strength that that lifts you up above the, the anxiety and the anger that rages all around us. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to seek even now to put the world right, even if it's only in your little corner of the world, right with God, right with one another, right with the whole creation right now through faith in Jesus. To be merciful is simply to be able to let go of your frustrations and your failures. Pure in heart, people, because your heart has been awakened. You've been cleansed free from all sin by the blood of Jesus so that you can experience the power of life in Christ. We're like pure gold that's refined by fire that's living a fully focused life on the kingdom of heaven. Peacemakers, because because seeking reconciliation and not division is what we need more and more. 
persecuted and rejected, and yet rejoicing in the victory that is already ours in Christ. And when that happens, when you meet and you come to know Jesus more and more and more, he changes you for the good. And you become salt of the earth and the light of the world. Look, you repent. You turn around and you find a smiling, loving God with his arms outstretched to embrace you on the cross. He forgives you all your sins. He awakens your heart to the power of life in Christ's resurrection power to strain forward every day to live up to that perfect portrait of you that he paints in the Beatitudes people and then he turns you loose into the world. Now, salt is a preservative and a flavoring. In the ancient world, it goes without saying, where there was no refrigeration in a warm climate that's not dissimilar from central Florida, food rotted quickly, but salt preserves. And the internet says that if you think something is missing in the taste of your food, try adding salt. Salt flavors. When we are changed for good by Jesus. And we live out our new identity in him. We preserve and we flavor the world. By letting people see that there is actually a way out of the decay that we see happening all around us. And as we seek to put our little corner of the world right, even if it be in just some small way, we are enlarging the kingdom of heaven now as we bring relief to those in need. We are salt and light. Jesus uses two images to drive home our role as light givers. The first one is that of a city set on a hill. And if you know the geography of ancient Israel, you can't help but think of Jerusalem, where God had chosen this no-name, no-nothing nation and turned them into his people so that he could put his temple on the top of Mount Zion so that all of the nations of the known world could see how great it is to live in a kingdom that has been made right with him. Siri's talking to me again. She did that in the first service too. Never mind. To live in a world that actually has people who love and care for one another. To be in a place that could actually manage the land that it had been given thoughtfully and to seek the welfare of all that would come into their realm. In other words, the nations would see Israel and they would say, we want what they have. But the vision of the city on the hill was never intended to end in this Old Testament Jerusalem. Jerusalem, rather, would become the place where the light of the world, Jesus himself, would ultimately be staked out on the top of another hill on a cross. And he would be the light that would ultimately draw all people from every tribe and every nation back to God 
Only there it looked like the light had been snuffed out. <laughs> until, until he burst forth from the tomb. And then when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he left his followers to shine his light of forgiveness and reconciliation and the peace that passes all understanding into the world until he returns again. And his followers were called the church, which literally means the called out one, so that we can say that today the church is now God's city set on a hill. The second image of light given here is the lamp set on a stand in the house that gives light to all in the house. People being the church, that is the city set on a hill, always starts with how the light is shining in our own homes. If what we do here together is a sham, if it is simply a show to conceal the darkness of the way that we are living out our lives in our own homes, then we will never fulfill our calling as the church. So here's the challenge for this week and literally for every day of our lives until Jesus comes again. That is to teach and to do God's commandments, namely God's word. By the way that we think, by the way that we speak, by your actions and by your attitudes, and to do so in such a way that your light and mine reveal the kingdom of heaven, which is the world put right. Right with God, right with one another, right with the whole creation, right now, people, by faith in Jesus and then forever when he comes again. These closing verses of the text reveal two navigational errors that we often make when we try to show people the kingdom of God. That is, when we try to actually go out there and live out our Christ-given identity. In other words, when we seek to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. One is looking for shortcuts, and the other is following detours. I mean, shortcuts are always attractive because they seem to offer quicker, easier ways to get to the same destination. But will you please look at the words because Jesus makes it absolutely clear there are no shortcuts to the kingdom of heaven. It was necessary for him to come. He didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. That is God's Old Testament word for his people who are in fact the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Over and over and over, we wrongly assume that the best way to make the world right again is to let everyone do what is right in their own eyes. No, no, it's, it's all of the rules and the laws and the traditions that religion has produced that are the problem. Let's just get rid of all of them. The problem, of course, is that when everyone tries to do what's right in, the own, in their own eyes, we quickly, we quickly have the evening news. 
God who created the world by speaking, let there be and there was. God who redeemed the world rescued us when his word became flesh in the person of Jesus. God who gives us the very power of life in Christ. When we hear the words, God knows exactly what a perfect human life looks like, people. He knows exactly what the perfect you looks like. And he promises, he promises that if you will engage in his powerful word, if you will read it, mark it, learn it, inwardly digest your Bibles, if you will listen to the sermons, I don't know, read a book, (laughs) talk to some fellow believers, sing songs, pray together, God promises that he will change you for good. So first of all, there are no shortcuts. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But I've been preaching to you for 25 years that human nature is like a drunken peasant. And as soon as you lift him into the saddle on one side, over he will topple on the other. For no sooner have we abandoned our shortcuts than we wind up on a detour. Somehow making it more complicated than it actually is. Jesus clearly says, don't abolish anything God says. But then he declares, you have to do better than the Pharisees if you want to reach the final destination. Now the main thing that you have to know about these Pharisees is that they were not followers of Jesus. They were the rule-making, the rule-enforcing religious people of Jesus' day. And their goal may well have been good to try and get people home to God. But all of a sudden, they started to believe that they could help people out by adding their own rules and their own regulations so that Jesus here actually calls it their righteousness, which quickly became self-righteousness. Trying to be right with God by following the rules that they had made up. They took the detour of religious performance that you heard Isaiah speak against in our Old Testament today when what God wants is a deep committed relationship with him. Because the righteousness that exceeds theirs is what Jesus won for us at the cross. That righteousness comes to us by faith in his life, death, and resurrection. And his righteousness is inexhaustible. Dr. Jeffrey Arthurs has written a book entitled Preaching as Reminding. And he says this, Remembering can be tough for harried-brained people in an age of distraction with idol-making hearts that are continuously tempted by the world. But he says, in our worship, God is here to help us remember what we should remember and to forget what we should forget. It's time to forget our shortcuts, to forget our our detours, and to remember That Jesus has made us salt and he's made us light for the week ahead. 
We live post-cross, post-resurrection. The law and the prophets have been fulfilled, not abolished. Here is the most satisfying life possible because it is the very life that you were designed to have. Now go live in a right relationship with God. Your sins are forgiven. You have resurrection power pulsating through your veins. Go live out your relationship with your family, your friends, your co-workers, people. Get out of the salt shaker and into their lives. Kind of reminds me of the salt shakers in the restaurants here in Florida, you know? Where the humidity has caused all the salt to clump together and it won't come out no matter how hard you shake it. Let's be... Let's be the light of the world. How? Well, Jesus is going to give us a few specific examples in the weeks ahead. But today, today, let's suffice it to say that he certainly didn't leave it up to us to, to guess or to figure out on our own. You all have entered the kingdom of heaven through your faith in Jesus. Now, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength, and love your neighbor the way that Jesus loved you. It is a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of sacrifice, and a life of renewal, because we know Jesus. We've been changed for good. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in this true faith and the life everlasting. Amen.